Good afternoon. Welcome to The Daily Take with your host, Johnny Phillips, on this Tuesday, May 12th, 2020, sharing with you my thoughts on current events. And today it's about robots, Tesla, and Germany. And I want to start off with robots. Um, I read an article, it was on MSN.com, and it pretty much was about the fact that, hey, here's the deal. Uh, businesses are vulnerable right now. They're going to be vulnerable in the future to lawsuits. They're going to be vulnerable to providing a workplace that makes sure everything's clean, everything's well tight, uh, kept up tight. Like there's tremendous pressure, okay, for businesses, okay, to make sure that their labor force does not get sick. Because if they get sick and the labor force can blame that sickness on a virus that's inside of that, 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 uh, facility, well, class action lawsuits can be filed, and if companies get sued, they lose a lot of money, they go out of business. This is a real big liability, and I think businesses already see this as potentially affecting them uh, pretty drastically in the future. And so one of the articles that I read, it was about the fact that when businesses start to understand the fact that this is going to be the new norm, what we're going through today, isn't it just better off using robots instead of workers, especially to perform risky tasks. And it says here in the article, if a production process can be automated, a firm can use a robot instead of a worker to perform some risky tasks. In this sense, automation provides a hedge against job uncertainty stemming from the pandemic. I am sounding the alarm on this article. I think it came too early. I think the person who wrote this is on to something very early, and it hasn't hit mainstream yet, but it will hit mainstream, and I'll tell you why. The first thing is of what I just mentioned before, and that is lawsuits. People are now going to sue because they caught a cold, or they got the flu, or they got COVID-19, and if they don't always sue, businesses know, they might know in the future that they're going to be open to the possibility of being sued. Okay, because of COVID-19, because of a virus, or who knows, maybe there's another uh, disease, or I should say something else in the future that pops up, okay, along the similar lines, right? And so essentially what you have is you have businesses, and they're going to have to make very difficult decisions about their labor force. And the, the, even though there'll be a lot of difficult decisions, I mean, laying off people obviously is tough, and, and obviously cutting your workforce, and you know what that's going to do to the overall economy of America, and and in the lives and obviously that the people that you're going to impact. But if you want to stay in business, okay, and you have A, keep your labor force with the potential of going broke from lawsuits or transitional workforce into a more robot workforce and keep your business afloat and still be able to have people employed for you. In the first scenario, the whole business goes broke, goes bankrupt, no one has a job. In the second scenario, you get to hold on to some jobs and you have other jobs that obviously go into automation. And look, I get why people are concerned about why AI is taking jobs. I get it. I just don't think there's any way that we can stop it. And I don't think, I don't think that opening ourselves up to lawsuits, having it now be a possibility where people can sue because of a virus, People have to expect the fact that if someone can do this, that one of the consequences is the fact that you're going to have a workforce that is taken over by robots, okay, because of this problem, because of this potential liability. So it's something to think about. It was one of the things I wanted to start off today because I thought it was a really interesting article. I think this is coming. I think that absolutely businesses will look at the fact that, look, we have public pressure. It's bad PR to have people work in an environment like this. We're being shamed. We're being persecuted. Uh, people are threatening us with lawsuits. The only option we have in order to stay 
you know, above water is to go to automation. That's it. That's our only option. Okay. Or we go bankrupt and we lose all the jobs and we hurt our economy a hundred percent as opposed to maybe 50%. Okay. So that's just something to think about. Um, Tesla is very interesting. So, you know, recently, as many people know, uh, Elon Musk goes on to the Joe Rogan show and the Joe Rogan show, if you don't know, obviously very popular podcast, the most popular podcast should I, um, in, in the world. And he just says something very simple. He says, if you don't make stuff, there is no stuff. So what he was trying to speak to, he was trying to say the fact that I know a lot of people just want to stay home and collect checks and they want people to stay away from everybody else and they want things to shut down. But what he's trying to say to those people is, if you don't have a workforce, that stuff that you rely on that's in your grocery stores, that's in your car stores, that's in uh, your educational stores, things won't continue to be there. And if things are there, you're going to see them at a ridiculous high price in the future. And so something has to be done. There has to be an opening up of business. Maybe not obviously of concerts right away with 10,000 people flooding a small area, right? But to have people go back to producing things is a necessity. And he doubled down on it and he talked about in California, obviously he has a business there and he has a factory there and he wants to open up and pretty much the county in which this factory is in says, no, you can't open up. And he says, go ahead, arrest me because I'm opening up. And so the article here, one of the parts of the article says, Tesla contends in the lawsuit that Alameda County can't be more restrictive than orders from California's Governor Gavin Newsom. The lawsuit says the governor's coronavirus restrictions refer to federal guidelines classifying vehicles and commercial ships manufacturing as essential business that are allowed to continue operating. And so what's the bottom line is? The bottom line is Elon Musk is saying, my job is essential. The workers that work for me, their jobs are essential. The things that we make are essential because at the end of the day, I think he would live and die by the saying, if there is, if you don't make stuff, there is no stuff. And I do believe there are a couple of interesting points he's making. I, I believe I believe that even though he seems to be like a lone wolf, I think I think there's a lot more people that are backing him that than are trashing him. There are a lot more people that are backing Elon Musk in the things that he is saying and the things that he is doing than trashing Elon Musk. And I think as time goes on, people are going to be aware of this. And I think politicians will become more and more aware of this. And I think he's got a lot of chips. I think he's holding a lot of chips here. I don't think he's a stupid guy. I think he knows his leverage. Okay. And he's going to use this leverage as best as he possibly can. The other thing that I think is very important, and this is what Trump does. Kind of any news is bad. Any news is better. You know, bad news is still better than no news at all. Elon Musk, he, it, one of the things that he does is he knows how to make the headlines. Trump did this in New York, right? He knew what he had to do to make headlines. He gets free publicity, okay? And I think as he knows in his business, publicity is very important. How many newspapers are showing the words Tesla? How many newspapers are showing the words Elon Musk? How many memes? How many Facebook posts? How many Twitter, uh, 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 how many tweets, right? So much of this is generated because of some of the decisions that he's actually made uh, uh, recently. And although these decisions are controversial, he's gaining a ton of free media attention. He seems to be taking a more libertarian stand that, that so far does not seem to be incredibly damaging 
to his brand because you have to remember Tesla is post GM post Ford okay he's not tied down to the same union rules that GM and Ford is he's on a whole new level um, and a whole new model I'm not saying it's better or worse it's just totally different I mean look at the fact that when you look at Tesla, right, you look at car dealerships. You have Ford, you have Toyota, you have Honda, these massive dealerships. And there he decides to say, no, I have a better solution. I'm going to rent a space out in a mall. I'm going to keep my cars very simple and to the point. I'm only going to have a couple of types of cars. I may only have one present in the store, maybe two. And it's a small space inside of a mall that everyone passes by so the general public can kind of see. A, it's great advertisement, much better than a, than a, than a, I guess you could say a Toyota or car or Ford dealership on the side of the road where the only advertisement that happens is this big Ford sign when you get off the exit, right? I mean, here's a man who takes Tesla. He goes into a mall where everyone's passing by, everyone's buying stuff, and people are fascinated. And it's much easier for someone to walk by a Tesla stop and to check it out and to see what it's all about. Maybe they'll grab a pamphlet. It's there. The marketing is there. It's in people's minds. So I think from a marketing perspective, he wants to be a little bit more bold, a little bit more aggressive in some of the opinions that he wants to put out there because he knew he knows the he knows the power of the media. He knows the power of what it what can happen when newspapers print your name and, and people all over the world can see Tesla, Elon Musk. And he doesn't pay a dollar for this advertising, in my opinion. I mean, that's what I kind of call it. I call it advertising. Look, Trump's really good at this too. I mean, part of the genius about these press conferences, a lot of people are asking, why? Why do you keep doing press conferences? You're just getting beaten over the head. And the way he sees it is it's free time. It's free campaign time. They're giving him... They're giving him all this campaign uh, space, okay? They're allowing his brand to be shown. They show his name. They show president. They allow him to speak. They give him a platform on CNN, on MSNBC, Fox News, and he knows that's good. And he also, I think, senses that when the media put, is pushed way too anti-Trump, in other words, it becomes so apparently obvious to even a moderate person out there in America that they are out there for blood. They want to get this guy no matter what he does. If he shuts down the economy... Then he shuts down people's businesses and he's ruined America forever, okay? If he opens up the economy, he throws grandma and grandpa off the cliff, okay? This is essentially the approach that he's taken and he knows this. He knows that they're overplaying their hand and he allows it to be demonstrated on national TV. And I believe it's working to his favor just like impeachment did. And so I don't know what's going to obviously happen in November. I don't want to get too distracted because obviously... I, I want to get to my third point, which is Germany. But when it comes down to November, look, I said to Sean on the other day on my radio show, I think if it's possible, and I believe it's legal, I looked at the legal language, it looks like it's legal. I guess it can be challenged in court. But Biden could run Barack Obama as his vice president. And if I was in that meeting with Joe Biden or with the Democrats, and they're saying, what are we going to do about November? You know, I don't know if Joe Biden's the person that we should go with. Maybe the advice is we go with Joe, but we put Barack Obama on there and we just, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you replace Joe Biden with someone new, it's all this new flack, all this new attention, all this new criticism that can kind of be dig, that can dig up. Barack Obama, it's just, he was already president for eight years. All the, all the stuff that you can throw at him, it's already stuck. Okay. Same thing with Trump for the most part. 
Okay, and so yeah, I do. I do think the smartest idea would be a Biden Obama ticket. Do you want to go with Michelle? Fine. I still think when it comes down to charisma, when it comes down to being out there on the campaign, inspiring people, uh, coming up with a message of unification, I think Barack Obama could be a real strong asset for the Democratic Party when it comes down to this. Okay, and I don't think he'll be bullied. Up, he'll be bullied around by Trump. I think Trump actually would not want to face him, even though he couldn't do it in a debate. Because obviously president, president, vice president, vice president. But I don't really think he wants to be on the debate stage with Barack Obama. Um, but anyway, I would go Biden-Obama. I mentioned this before. And if you're not going to go Biden-Obama and you're going to replace Biden, the only person that you can actually have a chance with is Hillary Clinton. Again, why? I know you think I'm crazy, but why? Because of name recognition. All the dirt's on Hillary is already there. Uh, the Democrats don't have to worry about new scandals, new this, new that. No, we're running a candidate who a lot of people who stayed at home instead of voting for her because they thought Trump was going to lose, and Trump ended up winning. And to their surprise, oh my gosh, we just have Donald Trump in the uh, in the Oval Office for four years. They could run Hillary again. I don't I don't know if it's enough to beat Donald Trump, but it's certainly better than Joe Biden and putting someone else on the ticket other than Barack Obama. So that's my kind of takeaway when it comes down to election uh, 2020 stuff. But I want to get into the final point, and this is in my last article that I just I just wrote this article. It'll be published. It'll be posted today, and. It, 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 Here's what's happening in Germany, right? People are obviously upset, and I good for them. Good for them. I see the protesters out there, and I like it because they don't want the world to burn. They don't want their economy to be ruined. They see that coronavirus is a threat, but when they see it in proportion to other things that are threats, they say, "What's the big deal?" Yes, there's a chance that I'm going to die, but no matter what I do, there's a chance that I'm going to die, right? This is kind of the line that that's being taken, but instead they're being labeled as extreme left-wing anarchist or extreme right-wing nationalists, okay? This is a brilliant move obviously made by those who are a part of the establishment in Germany, right, to label the, the people coming out and protesting this, okay, instead of being worried about their freedoms and their jobs, they're being labeled as crazy conspiracy theorists who just want the entire world to burn, and they want everyone to get sick and everyone to die, and I think this is a mistake, okay, and one of the things, I got this from RT, is that it says here, the problem that arises is no politician wants to fall on the wrong side of the lockdown argument. So they pretend these social media nutters with their whacked out ideas, this is the group I was telling you about, the people they're labeling as radical right, radical left, uh, they, they, want, they pretend these social media nutters with their whacked out ideas, plus anti-vaccine protesters and 5G conspiracy theorists all belong to some weird right-wing puppet supergroup of dissent. Okay, this is essentially what they're going with. Mainstream political groups, the CDU, the SDB, uh, Green, and FDP have come out swinging against the protesters, choosing to tackle them over their clearly mad claims that Bill Gates was somehow using the pandemic to gain control over the world, while ignoring the fact that the ongoing protests are essentially about the lockdown and its unwanted consequences on the family finances and the mental well-being of mom, dad, the kids, and even the family dog. This is an incredibly important point to make. Again, this has been taking place for the past 10 years. It's, it's usually done by the globalist group where they're just mischaracterizing people who are protesting. They take a certain group of people and they say they're just a bunch of whacked out conspiracy theorists. They're a bunch of deplorables who cling to their guns and religion. They're a bunch of Nazis who take pride in their cultural identity. 
Okay, this is essentially what's happening and they're mischaracterizing the people that are coming out. And as a result of their mischaracterizations, when these problems continue to pop up, because they have failed to identify the problem properly, they have failed to come up with the proper solution. And this is a great line. I'm going to repeat it again because these are the people who I think are coming out. That these protesters, whether it's in America or in Western Europe and Germany, these ongoing protests are essentially about the lockdown and its unwanted consequences. And I would also maybe say unintended consequences on the family finances and the mental well-being of mom, dad, the kids, and even the family dog. This is what's being missed. This is what's being missed by those people in power. There are a lot of socially liberal people who own businesses that voted Democrat their entire life who may reconsider after this lockdown. Why? Because they're showing up to these protests and instead of being labeled as an American who wants to support their small business, they're labeled as a radical right-wing pro-Trump mom or dad. And this is the problem. This mischaracterization of these people there are people who have businesses, their businesses are dying, and they don't feel like people are sharing them or giving them the same amount of empathy that they're giving others that are vulnerable to this virus when it comes down to physically being vulnerable to this virus. That is what is happening here. And so I thought it was a very good article. The article is a little longer, but the bottom line is it talks about the mislabeling okay, and misidentifying of the people showing up to protest in Germany. And, you know, in my opinion, there's only one thing that's going to continue to happen. People are going to still show up. Restlessness will continue to grow. And people have to wake up, those people who are in power, and realize that, look, we've miscalculated. We've made a mistake. We are, we are making mistakes every single day, and they're costing us big time. And so this is a big problem. Obviously, it's a problem that the entire world has to deal with. And look, I don't think any, I've never met someone who said that, I'm going to be very careful with this. I've never, I've never met, yeah, I've never met someone that says a virus should not be taken seriously, right? What I think I have, I have a problem with is the fact that it seems to me that we are not weighing, we are not looking at the costs of acting the way we are to quote-unquote fight this virus and whether or not these costs are worth the price that we're paying on the other side. And the other side is all the things that are taking place as a result of the lockdown, of the shutdown, of shutting up people's freedom of speech, of taking doctors off of YouTube, of telling people they have to wear masks everywhere they go. Okay, We are not looking at the situation in an objective way and saying, these are some of the great things that are happening as a result of us taking these lockdowns. But unfortunately, there are a lot of bad things happening and we need to look at some of these bad things and we need to look at some of these good things and weigh the two. And I don't think the media, I don't think the government is doing this honestly. That is my opinion. I think only time will tell whether I'm right or wrong. And again, these are my notes. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions today. As we finish up the Daily Take, I will be back tomorrow for my third show. And um, I, hope to, I hope you'll be able to tune in.